the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Just grow, let the word overflow, yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia, where we are real people with real lives experiencing real change. Please visit us at gracechurchva.org to find this message and more about grace and how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God and believe that his word calls for us to live big. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live the big, full life that God has for you. Here's Dr. Greer. Amen. Amen. Open your Bible to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning with... The first verse. Again, David gathered. After rallying the nation to fight against the attacking Philistines, finally David won the battle and was able to gather the nation, not for war again, but for peace. David understood what our leaders today have to continue to understand that in a troubled world, peace comes through strength. And only after him showing strength could the nation again be at peace. Well, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. Here we see an organized 30-division escort of uh, Soldiers and, and really the, the, the highest of rank, I mean, the, 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 all of their markings were on their clothes, and, and these were the men of the highest rank and reputation. And these individuals were assigned to accompany the Ark of the Covenant, which was the symbol of God's presence, back to Jerusalem, which was both the capital and the center, the heartbeat of the nation. You know, it's amazing to me, though, today how many people worship God without his presence being at the center. You know, I, I love doctrine, I love truth, but truth without, without his presence is cold and, 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 and there's nothing to it. And, and, and here, David wanted to make sure that God's presence was at the center of the nation and the heart of all that God's people did. And David arose and went with all the people. He was not only a great political leader, um, he, he, was, he was really the, the history's greatest worshiping warrior. Uh, he was a phenomenal individual. He was a man that would go fight and then sing a song about it. He was, he was one of those uh, rare people 
in history. All the people who were with him from Baal of Judah uh, to bring up the ark of God. Here we were seeing and we're reading about a whole lot of pomp and circumstances for a, a four, uh, four foot long by two foot wide, two foot high Ark of the Covenant, really box. All it really was was a box. It was, it was covered in gold, though, but it was just a box made of wood. You see, the power of the Ark was not the Ark itself. The power was, was found in who it belonged to. And that's vi- very, very vital for us to understand uh, that that was really the thing that makes it uh, important. And in fact, you know, uh, what makes me significant is, is not any gift or any ability I bring, but really who I belong to. It says here, They went to bring from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts. Again, this ark was just made of gold and wood. But again, what made it significant was the name attached to it. I remember when my boys were in middle school and they would uh, go and uh, shovel driveways to to make a little bit of money for their their games and stuff that they put into their, I think it was PlayStation back there. I don't know what it is now. But they they would would go and, and shovel driveways and... And uh, they went to one of the neighbor's house, and uh, they shoveled the driveway, but the neighbor found that their shovel was missing. So the neighbor came to, to, to our house and uh, wasn't asking, you know, whether we had it. it. was accusing, you know, your boy stole my shovel. And, uh, you know, I asked the boys about it, and in reality, their own child had, had, had took it and, and, and had it in the snow. I was nice at first. You've been very proud of me. I was, I was really nice at first. But after a while, this grown man needed to understand that those two boys belong to somebody. Yes. You understand? Yes. 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 And, you know, we get this from God, you know. I, and you, you just don't want to go off with everybody. That, that's not the case. It, but, but, but he had to understand that it really wasn't about those boys. At that moment, it was about me and him. And, and you know, you push me far enough, there's a part of me. But you push God far enough, there's a part of him. It's not always what we are, but whose we are that makes the difference. Both of my boys together, really, I don't think it would have had a chance against that man. But because they belonged to me, it was no longer about them and the man. It was me and the man. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who you belong to makes all the difference in the world. Well, they brought up this ark of God whose name is called by the name of the Lord of of hosts. And, uh, uh, you know, back in the 80s, remember Gotti and all that? I think he lived out in Queens. You know, I heard a story of of some kids who, who, who stole a car. And the thing is, you know, they were out just doing what kids do, and hopefully our kids aren't doing that, but they were out, you know, just getting into mischief. And they happened to steal a car. This was in the 80s. But one day, when they were out stealing the car, they happened to steal a certain car. And when you realize the car belongs to Tony Soprano, do you understand? When you realize the vehicle you just took belonged to John Gotti, it makes all the, it changes everything. It makes all the difference in the world. You think you're just talking to me. You're not. I might think I'm just talking to you. When I address you, I am also addressing who you belong to. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
It wasn't about the splendor of the ark. It was about who the ark belonged to. And the next verse we're going to discover was also about who lived in this ark. It says, whose name is called uh, by the name, the Lord of hosts. And by the way, this double use of the word names, difficult English, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was a way to bring emphasis. And the point was, this was not just any old name. This was the name of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. For whatever reason, God chose to habitate on this box. And for whatever reason, God has chose to habitate in my life. For whatever reason, God has chosen to habitate in your life. Again, it's not about me. It's not about you. But it's about who's living on the inside of us. Are you hearing me? It's, it's about who's habitating in our lives. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. Now, this was a sign of respect. But it was still contrary to the way that God told them to handle this ark, particularly in the, in the law of Moses. Moses was very clear that the only person that should handle this ark was a Levite. And it was written down. It wasn't just suggested. It was something everybody knows. Let's listen to 1 Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 2. This statement is made a little bit later, but in this statement we find that David finally admits his, his error here. He says this. Then David said, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. But who? For the Lord has chosen who? Them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. And this was, you know, one of these situations where David had to kind of come back and say, well, well what happened was, because and, and, he did wrong and, and, and he had to kind of explain. You see, what happened was in the past when the Philistines had captured the ark of the covenant, God dealt harshly with the land, and they decided they would return the Ark of the Covenant. So when they returned to the, the Ark of the Covenant, God permitted them to put the, the covenant on a new ark as well as some cows, and they led it back to the land of Israel. But we have to understand the Philistines didn't have Levites. This was a pagan nation, but herein lies the problem. David was looking for cues at the wrong source. And many of us were taking our cues from the wrong place. David, you know, it's like, well, well, the Philistines got away with this. You know, the world is doing X, Y, Z. Everybody else is doing X, Y, Z. I should be able to do it too. But God may accept some things from some people. But for those of us who ought to know better, there's often a different standard. 2 Samuel 6 and 3. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah, remember the name Uzzah. And Uzzah and Ohio, Ohio was a block over from Ohio, if you need to remember that name. <laughs> the sons of, you want scripture and verse for that, you said? <laughs> the sons of Abinadab, watch this, drove the new what? Cart. Moses told them. The ark is to be carried by the Levites. But because people in the world got away with putting it on a cart, now the people of God are starting to follow the people of the world instead of the people of the world following the people of God. Now, God has shown a lot of mercy up to this point. He could have, you know, done some things and, and broke out against them. 
But, you know, what, what, what happens here is, is, is sometimes, you know, we presume upon God's mercy. We, we're like, you know, well, uh, you know I'm going to get away with this, and so now I'm going to try to get away with that. And you keep pushing it further and further and further and further. So far, God was gracious. They shouldn't have put it on an ark. It shouldn't be pulled by cows, none of that. But, he, but they're getting away with it, but they get more and more entrenched as God uh, allows these things to happen. Verse 5. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, harp, stringed instruments, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. Now, what's important here is, uh, you know, they hadn't done, the people of God hadn't done everything correctly, but God still received their worship. And it's important to understand that we don't have to get everything right in order for God to receive our praise. But what happens in those moments is we often twist that experience and we think that God's patience means that right doesn't matter anymore. And that's why when God blesses us in spite of us, sometimes instead of seeing his goodness in God, you're patient, we think that's a stamp of approval on our wrong. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah, remember, the ark waited in his home, he put out his hand. What happened here? Now, the ark was with Uzzah so long, that, and there was no, no negative consequences, that they lost their proper respect for things that were holy. You see, God will remind you of who he is if he has to. God wants to be a loving father. He, he wants to be, and he is the savior of the world. But he's loving, merciful, kind, 100% loving, 100% merciful, 100% kind, but he's also 100% just. And the reality is, you know, if you push him, he will have to reveal you the fullness of himself. Uzzah put his hand out to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen stumbled. Now here, this is when we get real sympathetic with, with Uzzah. Like, man, you know, he was just trying to help, you know, but how many of y'all know God don't need our help? Okay. But, but here's, here's the bigger thing. The ark shouldn't have been on an ox and a cart in the first place. If they would have obeyed the word, this would have never happened. You know, just because the patience of God lets us get away with one thing, it doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily get away with the next and the next and the next thing. Do you understand? God's mercy doesn't give us license to be lawless. His mercy is basically, if God killed me every time I did wrong, I couldn't live, I wouldn't live long enough to do right. So God in his grace, he said, you know what, son, I'm going to keep working on you. And I'm going to let that go, I'm going to let that go, I'm going to let that go, because one day, son, you're going to come to yourself. But, but, you know, you can't keep pushing it. Talking about, well, Lord, you're merciful, and, and act like he's a God with, with no righteousness, no justice. That he's just some sloppy, agape, loving God that, you know, you kind of become his God because you tell him what's right and wrong versus him telling you what's right and wrong. And, and sometimes when you push it too far, God has to show up in the way he showed up with David here. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused. They, they just pushed this thing too far. Against Uzzah. Now, God's grace never condones sin. But he's patient with us. But don't take his patience as his stamp of approval. 
Romans, let's look at the New Testament, lest you think I'm too caught up in the old. Verse 4. Paul is speaking by the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to people that belong to the household of faith. He's speaking to us. He said, do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, long-suffering, patience, really, not knowing? He's saying, don't you understand that, that God is good and, and he's patient with you because he's trying to get to something? Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? God's patient with our mess, but it doesn't mean he approves of our mess. His Kindness is designed to bring us back to our senses. In fact, this is what happens with David here. Back to Samuel chapter 6 and verse 7. And God struck him there for his error, and he died by the ark of God. How many of you know God gives life? Okay, about five of you know that. Okay. <laughs> As the giver of life, he also reserves the right to take life. You say, well, that's just an Old Testament truth. Anybody remember Ananias and Sapphira? That was on this side of Calvary. God still retains the right to take a life because he is the authority, the author of all life. And David became angry. And I get this. Because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. See, David got upset because he meant well. He didn't mean any harm. He, he, you know, he was, he was just trying to, you know, do what the world was doing, and he wanted to keep up with the times, and everybody else in the world was acting a certain way, and, and they were putting God on a cart and pulling it by cows, and maybe, you know, that Moses thing is outdated. He didn't really mean ill. He didn't mean mil, uh, uh, anything mean or malicious. He, he, was, he was just, you know, trying to, to be in and try to, again, keep up with the times, but, but and, and when it happened, he was like, you know what, Lord, I don't think I deserve such hard, harsh and severe treatment. How many of you have ever tried to keep up with the times? And God responded in a way, and you're like, wow, where did that come from? This was the case with David. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Literally, that, that Perez means outbreak or breaking forth. And what it meant is outbreak against Uzzah. And we see here David's sympathies at first. He, he, he saw this only from Uzzah's perspective and not God. And here's our problem. Many times we see our sins, our mistakes, only from our perspective. We only see, you know, well, yeah, you don't know what I was going, what I was, but what about seeing it from God's perspective? How about acting like God has value and God has a bigger picture and maybe God is wise and maybe, maybe God had took a, uh, offense, if you will, or, or God was wounded, better put, or, or hurt by, by the deed that was done. Maybe we shouldn't always just think about us. Maybe we should think about him. A purely humanistic way of seeing things always ends in a mistake. Verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day. Again, I understand, David. God can be scary at times, especially when we ought to know better. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Now, I want you to hear what he is saying in this statement. He's kind of saying, oh, you know, how, I mean, gosh, how, how can I, you know, God, you're so hard. God, you're so difficult. You know, uh, you know, basically what he's saying, Lord, because things haven't gone the way I liked, I quit. 
And many of us have given up on God for the very same reason. God, you're just too hard to please. God, you know what? I try this. I try that. It's never enough for you. I never get the breakthrough. And all I do is run into trouble. And, 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 you know, many of us have the same attitude toward God. He said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And basically he was calling God difficult. How many of you have ever called, you don't have to lift your hand, but how many of you have ever called God difficult? How can I have a relationship with such a difficult God? I mean, God, you're just, you're just hard to get along with. But he said this as if God just arbitrarily killed somebody without being specific about his demands. God didn't only tell people, he had it written down. You know, it's one thing for me to, to tell whether someone in my staff or, or someone, you know, that, that, that's under my authority. And I, I say, well, listen, I would like you to do X, Y, and Z. I tell them verbally. But imagine I tell them verbally, then I send them an email, I put it in writing. And then they look at me, he's like, how could you expect me to bring back X, Y, and Z? I didn't just tell you, I wrote it down. And many of us are mad at God. God, why is my life, my life, well, didn't God write some things down? Wasn't he clear about some of the things you needed to do in order to step into what he had for you? Numbers 4 and 15. Let's read, let's read what Moses said. And when Aaron and his sons had finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary. By the way, a king had to read through the first five books of the Bible before he took his reign or began his reign. So David was very familiar with these verses of Scripture. When the camp is set to go, then the sons of Kohath, Kohath, the Kohathine, the the, the Kohites, uh, shall come to carry them. Now, who was supposed to carry the ark? Kohath, yeah. Who's Kohath? The Levites, not cows. But they shall not touch any of the holy things lest they die. God didn't even give the Levites permission to carry the ark. And what would happen actually in the carrying of the ark, what they would do is they would carry the ark on their shoulders. They would, there was these gold uh, rings on the sides of the ark. They stick sticks through it and a guy would be in the back, a guy would be in front and either side. And they would carry and bear the ark uh, that way. But, you know, again, the, he said, uh, let's read it again. But they shall not touch any holy thing, lest they what? Die. So the Levites couldn't even touch it. But this knucklehead, he's like, well, you know what? He could. How is it if the ordained, the right, the, those that are set apart as their livelihood, they were not to touch it. But some knucklehead just because they got too familiar with the anointing and presence of God, because the, the ark had been in their house. And sometimes you can get too acquainted with the things of God that you don't properly respect it anymore. And this was the case with Uzzah. Proverbs 19 and 3 speaks to this. He says this. A person's own folly leads to ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. I mean, you doing wrong, living wrong. God, why is this happening? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, you're not married to the person you're living with. But oh God, why is he beating me? Wait, wait. God, why isn't my relationship going away? What? Really? God tells you how to do it? And even while you're in the mess, he's still trying to bless you as much as he can. He's still loving on you, but you're going to look to heaven talking about God, why? 
a person's own folly leads to their ruin. Yet their heart rages against God. And many of us are angry with God. We hadn't served God five minutes in our lives. And God, why did this happen in my... What? Your life is where your life is because largely because of the decisions we've made. In a less free society, that might not be true. Like I said, I'm not going to make a lot of friends here today, but, but this is important. Let me read the scripture. A person's own folly leads to their ruin. Yet their heart rages against the Lord. Lord, you know, how come I can't afford that house? Overlooking the fact that when you signed the contract for your car, you gave the people your word, not only verbally but in writing, I will pay $329.16 every month. When the bill came due, you decided you wanted a new suit. You decided you wanted a new pair of shoes. You decided you needed a couch. So even though you gave your word, you didn't pay the bill, now when you go to buy the house, instead of you getting 4% interest, they want 15% interest. You're like, God, why? God, I go to church. I love, I, I love you, Lord. Why, why can't I buy? Well, you lied. Your word is no good. I know. I, like, hey. Look, stuff happens. You lose a job. You get sick. That's, that's different. But when you're just being trifling, when your yes doesn't mean yes, your no don't mean no. When you sign your name to a piece of paper, it better mean something. You are listening to the Live Big broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. We pray that you are inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. Find out more about this broadcast, Grace Church, and Dr. Derek Greer at gracechurchva.org. Dr. Greer and his wife, Pastor Yuramitu, invite you to meet them at Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia for vibrant worship, Bible teaching, and fellowship each Sunday and Wednesday. Click gracechurchva.org for service times, directions, and much more. Again, that's gracechurchva.org. This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. Watch the Live Big broadcast Monday through Friday and every Sunday. Check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.